On today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, crikey, you won't be able to buy Disney Blu-rays or DVDs in Australia anymore. Also, Barbie's second weekend is not only the biggest of the year, it's one of the biggest second weekends in film history. On a sadder note, actor Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, has passed away at the age of 70. We're going to be discussing that. Also, Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, the third Spider-Verse film, has been delayed indefinitely. That and a whole bunch more. The John Campy Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campion Show podcast, coming from right here in our quaint little studios, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I'm joined in studio today by Ray Ora. Hey. Jonathan Voikos here. That's not a Blu-ray. <laughs> Chris, right. Chris Carr is here. Hi, guys. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here, making this show part of your day. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to start by talking about those predetermined topics we listed off. And then the last part of the show, we're going to take questions from our YouTube channel members. Now, before we get going here, uh, I want to make a little bit of a programming note, just so you guys know that a little bit later this afternoon on our YouTube channel, for those of you listening to us on our podcast, every day on our YouTube channel, we also do a live stream called Open Mic, and that will be a little bit later this afternoon. We hope you guys will come by and join us for that. All right, guys, let's not waste any time and dive right into it here, shall we? And that is this. Oh, somewhere, our friend Robert Myronette has probably uh, got tears a little bit of tears, pouring one out for our friends in Australia yeah. as uh, physical media continues its not so slow, but continuously steady and aggressing death knell. Um, as it has been announced that Disney is no longer going to be selling Blu-rays or DVDs, physical media, in the entire continent of Australia. This comes from the folks over at ScreenRender write the following. Uh, Disney will no longer be releasing DVDs or Blu-rays in Australia, striking a major blow against physical media. Despite putting their theatrical content on their streaming service, Disney Plus, after running it in cinemas, Disney has continued to release physical media for all their films. This has allowed fans of Disney to keep a physical collection of their favorite films without having to rely on streaming services. But now, the Digital Bits reports that Disney won't be selling DVDs or Blu-rays in Australia following the release of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in August. So, good little piece of movie trivia if you ever want to pull this out. What was the last Disney physical media released in Australia? Guardians of the Galaxy 3. This story was corroborated by 7 News, which says that once existing DVDs and Blu-rays are sold out in Australia, they won't be replenished by Disney any longer. Disney DVD and Blu-ray collectors will have to instead rely on overseas retailers to keep getting physical media copies of Disney, uh, Disney's later releases. Okay, so whenever the discussion about is physical media dying, the retort that often comes up, and it's understandable, is a list of reasons why physical media is great, but the conversation is not, is physical media great? It is dying. And I mean, we talked about in recent years about how a bunch of major manufacturers of Blu-ray players and whatever have just stopped manufacturing Blu-rays. Blu-ray and DVD sales year over year continue to absolutely fall like a stone in water. No one's buying them anymore. I mean, that's hyperbole, but I mean, realistically, nobody's buying physical media anymore, and it's just dropping more and more and more and more. And I'm going to tell you right now, 
they're not, Disney is not just discontinuing DVDs and Blu-rays in Australia for the heck of it. They're not just going, ah, we don't like Australia. Let's just not sell physical media there. I'm telling you, this is step one. This is continent one. Uh, this is what's coming. And we talked about this a few years ago as the streaming services and the streaming wars were continuing. It is, you know, counterintuitive to the purposes of these studios to put out Blu-ray and physical media releases because they all want people to get their streaming service. They want that to be the place you need to go to watch their movies. And we can discuss and debate the merits of them having that attitude because there are good things about it. There are bad things about it, but it is what it is. That's what they're doing. And it's going to be interesting to see what studios like Sony that doesn't have a streaming service, how they'll respond to this. But even without a streaming service, like we said, the numbers do not lie. Fewer and fewer people every single year at an increasingly rapid rate are buying physical media. Fewer and fewer physical media players are even being produced, let alone purchased. And so while this is really hard for people who are fans and, and it's really a bad thing for all the pros that people do list off about the pros of having physical media. This is unfortunate for all those things. As a matter of fact, we're living in an era right now where a lot of the streaming services are really, wow, a lot of the content on our streaming services cost us more money than they make it. Let's dump them. And what happens if you don't have a physical copy? I mean, those, these are all valid discussions and debates to have, but it is what it is. And I'm not saying that in the next three months, we're going to find out that Africa no longer sells Disney DVDs and Blu-rays. And then Europe no longer sells it. And then North America. I, but it's coming. Maybe not in the next three months. Maybe not in the next six months. But Australia is not going to be the last one of these. Anyway, Chris, um, I, I don't think you're surprised to, to hear this. Uh, they're starting with Australia. Do you think that maybe it's just... This is a case where there are some specific circumstances and contexts in Australia. We're selling Blu-rays and DVDs there, make it exceptionally restrictive and difficult. Or is, do you see this the way I do, that this is just step one? I don't know. How do you see this? I view it as a test because this mm. is obviously based on the sales they've been doing with DVDs and Blu-rays. Because how much money does it cost to make those? How much money does it cost to then give out those points to everybody else on the back end? And ship them out. Exactly. So it's a cost prohibitive thing for them right now, especially with all these streaming services that they're pushing towards everything, everyone to be on. The downside is you, the consumer then, are extra reliant on all of these streaming services because then they control what you have access to. If you don't have that physical media copy, some of these things are going to go the way of the dodo and you're never going to see it again, theoretically. I know Kristen Shaw posted this kind of heartbreaking tweet about when her show got taken off Disney Plus, a Disney Plus original, saying, does anyone know how I can get a copy of this? Because I kind of want to show my kids one day my right. work. And so there is that very, very bleak look at what happens when everything goes to streaming and nothing's physical media. I think that's why Robert Meyer Burnett is such a big proponent of it, because that way you have it in its original intended form and its original um, release kind of uh, style. You don't have any edits done to it or anything like that. And you have it in your hot little hands forever, so long as you still have a DVD or Blu-ray player, because I right. don't know how much longer those are going to be around either. The big thing here is I think they're just going to test the waters and see how this works for everyone. The other thing, too, is if, you know, things are all going on to streaming and you don't have those DVDs, those video uh, straight to video things anywhere, or you don't have to pay the actors and writers who made those because you're not paying them. There's points and we're still trying to figure out how that works on streaming. You know, the, the obvious answer to this 
but it's actually not that obvious and it has comes with its own problems is services like the Apple Play Store, the Google Play Store, where, you know, I purchased a bunch of movies because, you know, when, when a movie is up on the Apple Play Store or a show is up on the Google Play Store and it's just sitting there, nothing's being paid to anybody. It's not actually costing Apple or Google or other services like that any money for it to sit there. On a streaming service, is different. Even if it's just sitting there and nobody's watching it, they got to continue to pay out licensing fees and things like that. If it's sitting on, you know, the Google Play Store or Apple Play Store, it's not costing anything until somebody buys it. Yes. Then once somebody buys it, money has to be distributed, but only if somebody buys it, right? But I have a feeling physical media is not going to be the last thing to fall. I also horribly believe that at some point Disney and Paramount and Warner Brothers and Universal, they're going to start, and this will probably be years away, but they're going to start pulling their product from things like the Apple Play Store or the Google Play Store. Any place, they want their streaming services to be the only place you can watch their content. Oh, absolutely. It's. I know this is a very bizarre comparison. This is like if you go to a Jimmy Buffett concert. Mm. All right. When you go to a Jimmy Buffett concert, you can only drink Landshark beer. You can only have Margaritaville tequila. You can only have a Jimmy Buffett product I while you're so there. I'm so fascinated to know how you know that. I, My I've dad is a huge parrot head. There also, so is Amy Newman. Amy Newman loves- Really? Is she a Jimmy yes. Buffett guy? I'm, I'm about to go to like a bridal shower that's Margaritaville themed. Is, is it going to so be excited. at Universal Studios? No. Okay, because they they still have one there. They still right? have that there, yeah, with the Margarita Volcano and everything. But yeah, I've been to like five Jimmy Buffett concerts. My dad loves him so much. <laughs> but Jimmy Buffett is a really smart businessman who makes sure that when you are use, utilizing his services, you are only- dabbling in his products and nothing else. And that is what I feel like Disney's going to do eventually is you can only do Disney things through Disney. And that makes the most sense. If you have a streamer, why would you want your stuff anywhere else? Yeah, wow. And it's not just going to be Disney. Buffett's a billionaire. <laughs> I just looked up his net worth. Now we know why he's a billionaire. Now Merchandising. You're, yeah. you're sure you're not doing what my wife did at one point where she confused, this is true, she confused uh, Jimmy Buffett? Buffett with Warren Buffett? Yep. She was like, we went into Margarita and said, wait a minute, he owns this restaurant? It's like, <laughs> No. It, does he War, wear Hawaiian War, shirts? Like, Warren, I guess. Buffett, Warren Buffett is worth billions. Billions. <laughs> in multiple digits and yeah. multiple zeros. But Jimmy is worth one billion. I had no <laughs> idea. Anyway. All right. Guys, with that down, speaking of big money, let's talk about this. Barbie was projected to make in its opening weekend $85 to $100 million. It, of course, destroyed those numbers, becoming the number one opening weekend of the year with $162 million opening weekend, uh, nudging out the Mario Brothers, which was and now is the number two biggest opening weekend of the year with $162 million. Some people, including me, anticipated that because it had such a huge opening weekend, we would see what happened to it, the same thing that kind of happened to something like, you know, Avengers Endgame or Spider-Man No Way Home. With such a big opening weekend, you expect a higher than normal second weekend drop off because so many people have already seen it. Nothing wrong with that. So I thought it was going to take like a 55 to 65% drop in a second weekend, which would still be very, very respectable. Well, forget that. <laughs> Barbie took a 43% drop in its second weekend to make $93 million in its second weekend. Remember how I just mentioned the opening weekend projections were 85 to 100 million? Its second weekend came in near the top of what its opening weekend projections were. 
It has easily become, nudging out again Mario Brothers, the biggest second weekend of the year. No other movie this year has had the biggest second weekend. And as a matter of fact, here's how big Barbie's second weekend is, all right? If you took Barbie's second weekend and then compared it to all the opening weekends of 2023, Barbie would be the number one film on the list and the number seven film on the list. Take a look at this. So Barbie opened with 162 million. That's in first place. Down in sixth place is The Little Mermaid at 95 million in its opening weekend. And then just below it, Barbie's second weekend would be number seven on the list of the biggest opening weekends of the year with 93, just barely beating out Mario Brothers' second weekend at 92. But outperforming Oppenheimer's opening weekend, outperforming John Wick's opening weekend, outperforming Creed 3's opening weekend, outperforming Transformers Rise of the Beast opening weekend. All the other, it's second weekend, beat out all those. It's, it's kind of crazy. On top of all that, you also have a situation where Barbie's second weekend is not just the biggest second weekend of this year. It is the seventh biggest second weekend in the history of Hollywood. Only behind will Star Wars The Force Awakens, which is, by the way, a little bit of trivia, still the number one domestic box office film of all time. Yes, bigger than Titanic. Yes, bigger than Avatar. Yes, bigger than Endgame. And it made $149 million in its second weekend. Then there's a bunch of, you know, Marvel films, Endgame, Infinity War, Black Panther. You got a Jurassic World in there. And look at that, number seven spot, all-time $93 million. Now, I mentioned in a video we made about this earlier today, and it bears repeating here, that I know it's easy for us to let certain things kind of fade into the background a bit, and we don't really grasp the significance of it because we hear movies numbers like billions and, oh, the number this and the number this and the number this. Think about this. Of the tens of thousands of movies, the tens of thousands of second weekends there have been for movies in theaters, Barbie just became the seventh biggest, and it's the first one that's not a Marvel film, not a Star Wars film, and not one with dinosaurs. That's it. It's also the first one on this list. If we Take a look at this again. Avengers, Jurassic, Marvel, Marvel, Star Wars. It's the first non-franchise film hmm. to make it into that, in that top seven. And then, of course, by the way, just as a side note there, look right behind it. Super Mario Brothers is the eighth biggest second weekend of all time. What this movie is doing at the box office is nothing short of absolutely stunning. And in 10 days, the movie has made $774 million, or as we like to do the math, nearly two Black Adams. <laughs> in 10 days. And three quarters of Warren Buffett. <laughs> and three quarters of Jimmy Buffett. War Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy, See, now not I'm Warren Buffett. Uh, now I'm Dana, doing you did it. You got in my head. $774 million in 10 days. It's astounding. It's phenomenal. Chris, bunch of numbers. Biggest second weekend of the year yeah. would be number seven of the biggest openings of the year. Number seven, second weekend of all time. $774 million. In I don't know. What about all these numbers to you is like the most impressive or at least the most, you know, one that makes you shake your head a little bit. And now that we've kind of lived with it a bit, what do you attribute this ridiculous success to? I attribute the success to incredible storytelling. Incredible storytelling. The script has no business being this good. 
I don't think anyone anticipated this movie being what it is, really, except for Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie, who knew what they had. And I've gotten a lot of people, and maybe you have too, of people asking, how can you support the strike and those kinds of things right now, writers or actors? Talk about the amazing people and writers behind this movie. That's what you can do, because we have something, like you were pointing out, that isn't part of a franchise currently dominating and it is so refreshing to see that yes was this pre-existing ip of course it was barbie's been around for decades but to have something that isn't in the superhero genre that is female-led that is female directed continue to shatter records left and right and dominate not only is this the highest grossing you know film for a uh, female director you know box office now now this is just crushing everything we've seen come out this movie is doing the most i love it what i really want to talk about is do you still think that super mario brothers is going to stay at the top here well it's funny because earlier today we talked because there were two points of contention one is up until i saw what it did this weekend I didn't even really think it would hit the billion dollar mark. Mm -hmm. That's no longer a question. Yeah. I mean, obviously it is. Uh, probably by the end of next weekend, it'll be the billion dollar. Now the question has shifted from, will it be a billion dollar film? Because obviously it will be. To will it catch Super Mario Brothers? That I still don't, I mean, that I don't know. I mean, before I was 100% convinced it wouldn't. I mean, that's $1.3 billion. It still yeah. has almost $600 million to go to get there. And remember, even though it had an incredible second weekend, it did drop by 43%. And we sure. will con continue to see it drop as more and more people already have it in their pockets. They've already seen it. Will it have the rewatchability of a Super Mario Brothers? I don't know that this movie will have the kids begging to be brought back to see it again and again and again, like Super Mario Brothers did. Um, but I can't discount it. Uh, I would say this. I would bet $5 that it will not catch Super Mario Brothers. Okay. but <laughs> I will take that bet. But a week or two ago, I would have bet $1,000. Yeah. It wouldn't have to be. There is part of me that's like, I want to make this my fir first Hot Toys bet. Yeah. But, but also, strike. I don't have money. Yeah. Um. But no. <laughs> and I'm not willing to bet more than like five bucks. I yeah. still, like again, I don't don't underestimate. The power of the dark side. <laughs> the power of the, but also don't underestimate how much $600 million is. Yeah. That's that's 1.5 Black Adams that this thing so still has to make. And with the majority of the people who are interested in it have now already seen it historically. I mean, remember, numbers fall exponentially. So, the, you know, we'll start making less and less and less and less. So a lot of people think, well, it made $770 million in 10 days. That means it's going to make 1.5 billion in 20 days. No, that's not how the pacing works. So, Again, I would say bet five bucks that it won't catch Super Mario Brothers, but I would not bet 50. You know, okay. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Because, I mean, listen, I never would have thought, come on, even the most optimistic people did not see a sub 45% drop for weekend two. Even people who were saying it's going to hit a billion easy, blah, blah, blah. Will it take less than a 45% drop second weekend? Well, no, don't be silly. And yet it did. Yeah. $93 million in its second weekend. You can't find tickets. I can't find tickets. I, I'm kind of yeah. surprised that Oppenheimer isn't I mean, it's it's still doing good. It's not as many theaters. That's the problem. Yeah. I can't find tickets for Oppenheimer or Barbie in a no. premium theater. Well, here's the thing, too. With with Oppenheimer, very quietly, because Barbie's taking all the shine, mm -hmm. Oppenheimer's very quietly, in 10 days, beat Black Adam. Yay! And, and honestly, hey, Black a year Adam. ago, 
a year ago. Hey, Christopher Nolan's got a semi-black and white period piece about the creation of the atomic bomb heavy drama. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson has got Black Adam coming. Which one's going to make more money? Come on. Who would have said Oppenheimer? Then here we are, 10 days, and it made, it's made $400 million in 10 days. So the Barbenheimer thing is very real, very alive, and very well. Now the question is, how big will it go? You know what's funny though? What? Despite the fact that it's made $774 million, I continue to hear that it's broke. I, I just keep hearing, cause what, what's that phrase? If you go, go woke, well, you go, go broke. broke. Yeah, 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 I keep hearing, yeah. like, oh, wow, I never knew so $774 million yeah, was completely broke. The same people saying that can't pay their bills. That's wild. <laughs> anyway, all right. Guys, with that down, we have a couple more topics we're going to discuss here. Uh, actor Paul Rubens has passed away. Spider-Verse 3 delayed indefinitely. But before we do, we're going to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's John Campia episode, our friends, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second and thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans for Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before, I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for sponsoring the john campia show podcast all right guys uh with that down let's move on to some uh sad and some really shocking news to be honest with you we found out earlier this morning that actor paul rubens of course best known as Wee herman but to me he will always be the spleen uh, passed away as a result of cancer at the age of 70, which, by the way, was another piece of shocking news to me. There's no way I thought Paul Rubens was 70. No, I thought he was so like, much younger. Not not in the least did I think that that gentleman was 70. I had the pleasure, actually, of meeting Paul Rubens a few years ago in one of my first trips to, uh, to Los Angeles. Uh, David Arquette had invited me and a friend of mine down to a screening of his new film at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, and we got to hang out down there, and Paul Rubens was one of the guests, and he couldn't have been nicer. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. Now, obviously, Paul Rubens also had some controversy following him around in his life, as any hard-living L.A. star will do. Um, but the impact that Pee-wee's Playhouse uh, made on a generation of people was just crazy. Lawrence Fishburne really made his first big appearance was on Pee-wee's Playhouse. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, the Tim Burton movie, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, but again, to me, and I understand all the love for Paul Rubens as Pee-wee, for me, he will always be the spleen. 
Mystery Men, to me, is one of my absolute favorite, most underrated, underappreciated films. It was a superhero movie way before its time. It was a movie that was way ahead of its curve. And having Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens in there as the spleen uh, was just, to me, one of the funniest things um, that I just really appreciated. Now, he actually posted on social media yesterday uh, apologizing to his fans that, sorry, I haven't been able to tell you this, but I've been I've been wanting to keep this private. I've been battling cancer for uh, a number of years. And then the post was finished by uh, some of his people after he had passed away, just talking about, you know, just how he was just charismatic, loved to entertain. Um, and again, it was with real shock and surprise. Uh, I, I got a call this morning saying, he just, the news just broke, Pee Wee Herman passed away, Paul Rubens. And uh, just really stunning. So, Chris, let me ask you. When you think of Paul Rubens and the numbers of things that he did, what's going to be the thing that stands out to you? What, what thing had the most impact on you? I, I mean, Pee-wee's Playhouse was huge for me, and his Big Adventure was a movie I watched all the time. <laughs> but uh, honestly, um, Nightmare Before Christmas, he's Locke in that. He's Locke right. of Lock, Shock, and Barrel. And, I, you know, as a kid, I had that whole song memorized, and I did all three voices, and, and that movie had, like, a profound impact on me. Um, it's really sad. And he was in so many great things. He became a really phenomenal voice actor. He was Batmite at one point in the Brave and Bold video games and stuff. He uh, had a really great cameo on 30 Rock. Uh, he really had an incredible sense of comedic timing. And this image you got up, John, is that from Gotham? Yeah. That's right. I totally forgot about his stint in Gotham, yeah. too. Played the same role as in Batman 2. Batman yes. Returns. Um, I, I just, again, just, and again, the 70-year-old part. That's the part I that got me. I can't wrap my head around that. Because I saw him interviewed a couple of years ago, and I was thinking, oh, he's in his mid-50s, right? I, I mean, I never looked up his age. I didn't know. I mean, I guess if I think about it, that wouldn't have made much sense. But still, <laughs> I mean, he he was spry and active and just, ah. I mean, I it's just we just lost one of the biggest personalities, yeah. one of the truly biggest personalities. And Mr. Herman has been paged for yep. the last time, but I mean, what a legacy he does leave behind. And, 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 and you know what? I think that's what people are going to look back on. I mean, yes, he had his TMZ controversy stuff. Absolutely. He did. In the grand scheme of things compared to what stuff gets released now. Oh, we, oh yeah. I will take the so Pee Herman controversy over oh, all the other so things. Tame. Yeah. I, I remember when that news came out since I was such a big fan of, uh, the Pee Wee's Playhouse and the movie, mm -hmm. um, Every time it would be on TV, I would watch, watch it, watch it all the way through. Um, but when I heard that news, I I didn't know exactly what that was. <laughs> what exactly did that mean? What's up? But I knew it was bad, <laughs> and I I it, it felt like uh, a gut punch to the stomach just because like every morning I would wake up, that would be the first show that would be on around the time I would wake up on the weekend. It would be. Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah, it adjusted our understanding of the term Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, Chris, you're right. By today's standards, yeah. like, if that's the worst thing in his celebrity controversy As life... Especially ah. when you tell someone, like, well, in an adult theater, people are like, yeah, should that's you... A, that's the thing. Everyone's should like, you not do that? Yeah, everyone's <laughs> like, oh, he did it in the theater. We're like, you missed the part where it's an adult. Adult theater. Yeah. Oh, it was an adult now, if he did that yeah. in a showing of oh yeah, yeah. Oh. he wasn't watching Sound of Music. Oh, no. that's if he was almost any I other to, actor, I, I don't think anybody earlier. would have cared. I don't think it would have been a story no. at oh. the time, right? 
And I don't think that's going to be, I think like over the next couple of years, years go by when people think of Pee Wee. I, I yeah. don't even think, because I think you're hundred percent right, Chris. We now look at that in a different context. Like that really wasn't that bad. He didn't hurt anybody. He didn't yeah. do anything. Exactly. It's people are going to think about Pee Wee's Playhouse. They're going to think about Big Adventure. They're, I'm going to think about Mystery the Men. Swing. The swing. Uh, and yeah, so anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Rubens passes away at the age of 70. All right. With that down, let's go on and, and talk about this. So Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, phenomenal hit, right? Got close to $700 million at the box office. As a matter of fact, let's, let's take a look at this. Look at the jump from the first film to the second film. I mean, those critic ratings of 97 to 95% certainly helped, but the first one went from $384 million. One of the best films of that year. I still contend that was the year that Infinity War and the year Black Panther came out, and I still contend that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was the best comic book movie of the year. It won the Academy Award for Best Animated Picture, and then the second one came out, and look at the results. $682 million and counting. It won't get much higher than that, but it's still counting at the box. I mean, it was incredible. And the good news is the next one was coming out in six months. <laughs> well, not so much. Uh, as according to a report now in Entertainment Weekly, Spider-Verse 3, also known as Beyond the Spider-Verse, has been delayed indefinitely. Uh, with both the Writers Guild of America and the actor SAG after on strike, Sony has announced plans to move the release dates for several of its upcoming films. Perhaps the most notable announcement is the third Spider-Verse. Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse is moving from its planned March 2024 release date and is now updated. Per Sony, several different dates are being considered depending on how long the strike lasts. In other words, it has no release date anymore. It could come out in eight months. It could come out in a year. It could come out in two years. And here's the thing. I, Chris, I was saying this earlier and I want to know you obviously are much better suited and, and positioned to answer this than me, but I don't believe this new delay has anything to do with the actor's strike because at the end of the day, the amount of time you need the actors to go in to record is, is vastly limited compared to the overall production schedule of this movie. I think it, could, it does have a lot to do with the writers because they were talking about how they are constantly writing and rewriting as this process is going, so you can't do anything else. And also, you know, we had heard before about the conditions yep. and the frantic pace they had to put all their animators through to get across the Spider-Verse made. And they were talking about people working seven days a week, you know, 12 to 16 hours a day, all this kind of stuff. And we were just six months out from when this new one was supposed to come. So I think really this delay has more to do with that animation situation. Now, obviously the writer situation, I don't actually think it has much to do with the, the actors per se, because the movie was still six months out, but it's, the scary thing to me is that indefinite. You know, Craven the Hunter got pushed back almost a year, got pushed back 10 months. Mm -hmm. And that movie's done. It's finished. It's in the can. It's ready to just be presented in theater. So I don't know why that thing got released, but if they're pushing out a movie that's done by almost a year, I shudder to think how long we're going to have to wait for the Spider-Man movie. What do you see as the main culprit for this delay? And just how long do you think we're going to have to wait for this movie? I definitely think it's the one-two punch of the information being released about how the animation staff was treated and the working conditions and the writer's strike. I think saying it's the writer's strike and actor's strike is a lovely way to 
present this. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, you know, those writers and actors are striking. But if we look back to that story from June, we go back to those horrific working conditions. And I know some of you in the comments are going to say, why, oh, I work like that already. I work 18 hour days every day. You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to. No. And <laughs> most people who say they work 18 hours a day don't. I don't, I, I, I don't believe Unless you. Unless they're a parent of several kids, in which case I get it. Then you're yeah, right. You're you a full-time you 24-7. But I think right now too, with that story being presented, with those conditions, with everyone looking at how workers are being treated and all these unions going on strike, I think there's going to be such a microscope put over all these movies moving forward of and how long are they working? And what are your conditions here? And what's happening? Because so many other guilds are talking about strikes. And so many other guilds are supporting the writers and actors. We have the Animation Guild coming forward, joining people on the picket line. We've seen a lot of the Teamsters and IATSE coming forward with things, too. So I feel like right now the best thing they could do is put this on pause. Because six months on a good day when everyone is going to work was so ambitious. And yeah, a lot of people were thinking it wasn't going to make its yeah, date anyway. That sounded absolutely improbable to me when it was, oh, and this is going to come out six months from now. Is it? <laughs> is it going to? I don't yeah. believe you. This last one took like, what was it, like four years? Yeah, yeah it was incredible. And, and at CinemaCon, they'd be like, oh, we're trying to finish these movies. I'm sorry. Like they, they were getting them down to the wire. So that timeline never made sense to me. And I feel like now they're going to push it, pause it, and then take their time and make sure they have enough animators on staff and probably are going to have to reevaluate evaluate how they treat those animators. But the big question is, how long? Because they were supposed to come out in March. Mm -hmm. uh, that obviously isn't happening now. So are we waiting? Because it's it was about six months out from now. Are we waiting eight months? Are we waiting 10 months? Are we waiting a year? Are Minimum we waiting of a year. Baby. Yeah, it's a What's 2025 that? movie. 2025, August. Yeah. August 2025. So you I'm think they're Ray pushing out like a year and yeah. like about 14, 15 yeah. months? Just because if they use the same animators, just the struggle that they were having this <laughs> this last one, to ask them to do it again in, in shorter time, it just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, with that down, let's now move on and take questions from our YouTube channel members. For those of you listening to our podcast, we also have a YouTube channel where we put up some videos every day. We have a wonderful group of supporters known as our YouTube channel members. By the way, why don't you go on over to our channel and become a channel member today? Um, and every day we ask them to send in some of topics and questions that they may have for us, and we address as many as we can. So let's dive into it here. Chris, what do we got? From Kane Carnage. Hey, crew. I'm so happy to see Talk to Me be a success. I've been watching the director duo on YouTube for the past 10 years, from their Ronald McDonald horror comedy skits to their ultra-violent, realistic Mortal Kombat short films. These guys really deserve what comes for them. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Talk to Me made, for A24, made $10 million this weekend, which is not bad for for A24. For well, especially A with how they do their budgets. Yeah, especially with the fact that they make their budgets, you know, for literally whatever they find yeah. in the shoe. They're box. the MacGyvers of film production. Yeah. <laughs> I did I did not go see it. Um I <laughs> no. was, I was very busy this weekend. You know, we had we had TMNT on Saturday, we had Ray's birthday party, a big UFC. Yesterday Ann and I had plans, so I mean, I just haven't had a chance to see it. I I'll be 100% honest. I'm not even sure that I am going to see it. So there's yeah. that. But uh yeah, it it did pretty well. And by the way, um Haunted Mansion made $24 million, mm. which is more than I thought it would, to be honest with you. Disney. It was also a better movie than I thought it would it's be. Cute. So 
Yeah, it was cute. Yeah. All right, what's next? I'm not going to see that movie either. I'm too busy being scared. Uh, <laughs> it's C. a freaky e. trailer. It's, oh, I hate it. I hate it. C.E. Nelson, uh, talk to me. The vo last voyage of the Demeter and Saw X might all three be good horror films. Out of the three, which are you most looking forward to? Yeah, Chris. Which? <laughs> yeah, Chris. Which? Honestly, which, um, the, the last voyage of the Demeter, I might be seeing. Yeah. yeah just yeah. because... Um, Zachary, who wrote uh, Bullet Train, that's his script as well. My friends are friends with him, and I like supporting him and his family. Um, but I will also be watching it, probably buried in my hoodie. The other two, I absolutely won't see. Get out of here. The Demeter one, they showed us a preview for that. At yeah. Cinema. I, I'll be honest with you. It doesn't look great to me. Mm. Does not look great to me. And then we were just talking about, what was the third film? Saw oh. X. Saw X. I have my doubts. Is that a fast crossover? <laughs> I have my doubts that they can revive this corpse of a franchise. I'm going to go listen, see Paw Patrol I, instead. Yeah. I like the first one. Um, I like bits of other ones, but overall, I mean, this is a franchise that should have died a long time ago. So, I listen, if they can revive it and bring it back with some power, awesome, if they can. I, I'm just saying I have my doubts. So, based on the previews alone, I'd say Talk to Me is the one I'd be most interested in uh, out of those three, but yeah, we'll see. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? From Red One Real Talk, Mutant Mayhem was amazing. Yeah. Very fun movie, but I wish we had more of Bebop and Rocksteady. Yep. If this franchise continues, I can't wait to see how they'd introduce characters like Krang, but I'm curious, given what you saw, would Ray like to see more of this Turtles franchise? Well, I can tell you the answer to that is yes. Yeah? yeah. Actually, we're probably going to go see it again tonight. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to go watch it again tonight. I don't want to say anymore, but, you know, I'm looking forward to the next installment for sure. You know what? I'm going to... Say, I told, listen, I did not have any interest in this movie. You were a borderline a turtle hater. Uh, well, I would not say I was a hater. I mean, I don't like, I still don't like what they have done to the turtles. Yeah. I like turtles. He but the, black you know, and white the turtles. beginning yeah. of the movie, there's kind of an homage to the true real turtles. Like mm. they do a little bit at the beginning. You know the part I'm talking about. Yeah. They do this little thing at the beginning that is like a tip of the hat and an homage to the origins of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I, I love that part. But listen, I got to tell you, you know, this is why I always tell everybody, leave your baggage at the door. It's cool to have expectations. It's cool to think this is going to be great. And it's cool to think this is going to be terrible. That's all fair. And it's all good. I didn't think this movie is going to be that good. But when you get to the door of the theater, take all of that, leave it at the door, go in and judge the movie on its own merits. That's what I did with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and that's what I did with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I gotta tell you, this is a delightful little movie. Yeah, it is. But it's I'll tell you what else. <laughs> tell you what else. I didn't really like the Rocksteady or Bebop characters. You did? No, and, and I'm glad they didn't have much screen time. Mostly because it kept the focus of the movie on the turtles. And that's really where it needed to be. Right. They still had a couple of funny moments and everything like that, but they weren't, like, I actually preferred several of Superfly's other minions, if you will. Yeah. I like especially the Paul Rudd one. But Paul Rudd's was hilarious. But you know, Rocksteady and Bebop, they have been the staple of the Yep, the TMNT villains, for a long right? time. So I kind of wish there was maybe a little bit where more of um how how they are or how they came to be, but you know what? I'll accept the film the way it is. It's fine. Uh, but side note too, when I saw the Lion King and Seth Rogen was doing the voice of uh, Pumba. Uh, I didn't hear Seth Rogen. It, it like the character just became that voice, right? Whenever Bebop, <laughs> I think it was he was the voice of Bebop. Yeah. 
Whenever Bebop's all I heard was Seth Rogen. Yeah, that's all, and, and I'm, that's not a knock on Seth Rogen. I'm just saying that that's all I could hear was Seth Rogen. All right, what's next? From Kayak. Hey, quick question. Is there any particular public domain character that you'd like to see a new iteration of on the big screen? I, I'd have to know off the top of my head yeah. who yeah, the list like, of public, public domain, domain characters are. I know are. we've been getting a bunch of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I mean, Winnie the Pooh, so they got that. There's um, so many Sherlock Santa Holmes. Claus? <laughs> Santa Claus. Well, listen, a lot of people don't realize this. Thor is public domain. Mm. Like, if we wanted to today, we could sit down and write a Thor script, and we could make a Thor movie and not have to pay Disney a dime. The only catch is we'd only be allowed to use elements of Thor in the mythology. We could not use any elements of Thor that Disney made up or created um, either in Marvel Comics or in their movie. So, for instance, <laughs> um, what's the name of the character? Meek, right? That Meek, I don't believe Meek is a part of the original Thor mythology. That's something that the comics made up and that Disney owns. So we couldn't have Meek in it. We also couldn't use anything of his backstory that is something that Marvel created not. So we would have to go and make a Thor movie based on the original mythology and the original mythology alone. But we could do it. We could do it. Based off this list, I got one. What's that? Moon Girl. What's Moon, moon Girl? I have a no idea who moon? that is, but I love the moon, baby. As, as in Moon Girl and Devil the Dinosaur? I, it just says Moon Girl. Moon Girl is a fictional character. EC Comics. I don't know. But what? what so, I mean, so by the way, Wizard of Oz is public domain. Yep. You just can't do things. If you're going to do a Wizard of Oz movie, you have to do it based on the original book and nothing that the movie introduced. Yeah. So that, and, and that becomes a problem for studios, actually, because they're like, if this is a public domain character, then we can put all this money and energy and resources into making a movie about it. But knowing that somebody else can just come along and do it too, and it, that'll devalue our, our character and our IP. So it becomes a, a, a tricky thing. Captain Nemo could be a cool one because you have the tie-in, though, that we had with, you know, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that wasn't good. Um, but you could do some <laughs> cool stuff there. Hey, we worked on that movie. <laughs> well, well and it wasn't I'm really very good. proud of you for what you tried to do. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, we didn't do so hot with that. Um, anyway, all right, what's next? From Brazilian Dude 93. One billion now seems like a lock, but have you changed your opinion on whether Barbie will pass Super Mario <laughs> box office after this amazing second weekend? Again, listen, it's all about, I think people underestimate how big of a number $600 million is. And I think a lot of people underestimate how much a movie's money making uh, potential decreases and drops after the longer it's been in theater. It's, it's now had its first two weekends. It's not going to make the same amount of money that's made in its first two weekends. But I am less, let, let's put it this way. I'm not going to say I'm more of a believer. I am less of a doubter. I'm still a doubter, but I was a doubter it would get to a billion, right? I was a doubter it would get to a billion. Now, there have been about 20 films this year that people have screamed at me and insisted would make a billion dollars, and I told them, no, it will not, and they haven't. But but Barbie was one I, listen, I'll call myself on it. I really didn't think it could, I, I knew it would be a hit, but I didn't know that it could make a billion. And it is. It's going to make a billion. But you got 300 plus million it needs to make on top of even that to catch Mario. So before I would have been 100% no, but now I just, I'll say I'm less of a doubter. Still doubt, 
but I don't doubt as strongly as I did before. It we'll, seems like you're fighting with yourself right now. Internal <laughs> no, listen, I am, I am a rational individual. I look at the information. I look at the trends and the statistics, and I try to base my opinions on that, right? That's why when people are screaming at me that, oh, Mission Impossible is going to make a billion. I'm like, guys, no Mission Impossible movies made a billion. And in today's context, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out, but it's probably not. People were insisting that Flash was going to make a billion. It couldn't even make $300 million. But Barbie was one of those as well. Like, again, I knew it would be big. I just didn't think this big. Has a thought ever um, how much it could make if it didn't open with Oppenheimer? I really don't think Oppenheimer stole any of the box office away from it. I, and, and by the way, I wonder if without Oppenheimer, if it might have opened lower. Really? Like, I mean, listen. It wouldn't have had that. That, that one that, article. Oh, right, 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 right. The, the, that one article in Variety that they wrote was, was I, I think, bang on. This was a situation where the two movies coming out actually helped both movies. Like, it created this marketing frenzy that we've never seen that sort of thing happen before. And it, I think them opening up together probably actually yeah. helped it, you know? So, I don't know. All right, what's next? From Big Cookie. I watched Gladiator for the first time last night. What a yep. great movie. I couldn't help myself from drawing comparisons to Game of Thrones while watching. Thoughts? Bring on the filthy. It's Ooh. one of the greatest movies You're ahead ever. of me, Big Cookie. Still haven't watched it. Oh, that's right. You still haven't seen Gladiator. I'm just going to wait till right before the new one comes out. Uh, I, you Silly. should watch You're it as soon as you right, can. Huh? It's, it yeah. is truly one of the best movies ever. I mean, it won Best Picture of the Academy Award, won Ridley Scott his Oscar, won Russell Crowe his Oscar. I mean, it is... Truly one of the great movies. It's 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 an epic movie. And I think that's a word that's thrown around too easily, but it is an epic movie. Wonderful script, wonderful story, fantastic performances, great action, edge of your seat. Uh, it's just a phenomenal film. It's sick. And by the way, <laughs> the music that plays near the end as he's walking through the fields is still to me one of the most iconic pieces of music in a movie. I, the moment I hear that music, my entire imagination gets overwhelmed with images of the movie. It's just so good. All right, what's next? From Spoofaman, Killers of the Flower Moon has a $200 million budget because Apple is giving it a proper theatrical release. Do you think they'll care about it becoming profitable or not care since they have a bottomless pit of money? No, listen, the reason Apple has a bottomless pit of money is because with everything they do, they care that it makes money. That's why they have a bottomless pit of money. If some, if you're a division of Apple and you aren't profitable, or you don't show the trajectory to becoming profitable, they kill you. That's why they're so profitable. That's why they have all that money. Yes, they want it to make money in theaters, but they will also have that be tempered with the fact that the original idea of theirs was that it was just going to go to Apple TV Plus. Kind of like that one Tom Hanks movie. What was the the Navy? A Man Called Otto? No, no, no. The oh. Navy movie. Oh, the oh, Navy Greyhound. 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 Greyhound, right. Not a very good movie, by the way. Um, that they just took and put directly on Apple TV Plus. Their idea with this movie is, hey, whatever money we make in theaters is gravy. That's bonus. We're putting it in theaters to... Hey, make a couple hundred million dollars. Yes, it's going to generate money that we're going to get, but it's going to put the movie in the Oscar conversation. It's going to be in the pop cultural conversation. It's going to be highly visible to the entire public. And then a few months later, we're going to get to say the exclusive streaming home of one of the best pictures of the year on Apple TV+. Plus. That is the notion 
And the philosophy of thinking that David Zaslav has talked about having now for Warner Brothers, that Bob Iger is starting to talk about Disney, and Apple was ahead of the game. Actually, you know who was even ahead of the game even more? Amazon. Amazon was even further ahead of that because remember they did the big sick with Camille Nagiani. That, by the way, we want to talk about stupidly fantastic movies. If you guys haven't seen The Big Sick with Camille Nagiani, got to watch it. It's absolutely wonderful. Ray Romano's really funny in it too. But they they were ahead of the game. They made that movie. They're like, eh, let's put this in theaters. And so when we put it on Amazon, it's going to have even more attention. They were way ahead of the game. But that is the way they're going to approach here. Yeah, they wanted to make as much money as they can in theaters. Yes, but they know their lifespan of this movie is kind of... Uh, you know, almost a symbiotic relationship with its streaming life that it's going to have afterwards. And so they're going to look at it in its totality, not just in its individual pieces. All right, what's next? From Christian Rodriguez, nice stash, Mr. Reeves. Oh, well. <laughs> That's how he stays in, you know, incognito. Yeah. When he's out in public amongst us mortals and he's not directing Batman. <laughs> All right, what's next? From uh, Operuno. John, not surprised that Barbie is tracking these numbers. <laughs> Been waiting, uh, wanting to see it since it came out, and every time sold out theaters everywhere in Toronto. I mean, everywhere. Considered driving to Hamilton with friends, but decided to wait. I think it'll beat Mario. What do you think? What well, do you again, think? First of all, <laughs> don't tell me. Nobody will, able, I will not believe a single human being that says to me that, Oh, yeah, if you'd asked me a few months ago, I would have told you that after 10 days, Barbie would have 774 million. No, lie. Lie, lie, lie. Well, jo Jonathan, hit that tape of me saying that. All right. Uh, <laughs> one well. second here. We're Play playing it. Tape. Go ahead. It's playing right now. <laughs> John, I bet you five hot toys. <laughs> It'll cross $750 million by the end of the second weekend. I a mean, billion dollars. I mean, it's, it is crazy what this movie is doing. It's unique. It's so... But, like, when you see, look, again, I, I liken it onto going to a Star Wars movie. When you get there to the big debut of a new Star Wars movie, people are cosplaying, and they're like, oh, you're getting that at these Barbie movies, and it's not just women. Mm -hmm. Men going there in tailor-made pink suits and all this kind of stuff, dressed up like, I saw a dude dressed up like Ken. I mean, it is striking a chord with a lot of people. And it's not just a fad. It's a really quality movie. I mean, it's not as good as Oppenheimer, but it is a high-quality movie with a very smart script. Um, I I honestly believe that Ryan Gosling could get a Best Supporting Actor nomination out of this. Like, I, I'm not even being kidding. I think there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance he could. He is incredible in this. The way he says, thank you, Barbie, as wearing his Knuff shirt is like one of the, like, that's all performance. Thank you, Barbie. Thank you. It's just, ah, uh, anyway. All right, what's next? From Dildar. Rest in peace to Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. We'll go, oh, rest in peace to Paul Rubens. Paul, Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, guys. Pee Wee Herman will go down as one of the most iconic characters in pop culture. He will be missed. I don't know that I'd say he'll go down as one of the most popular characters in pop culture. Like, I, I wouldn't put him on the level of a Darth Vader or, or Iron Man, per se. But, I mean, who can't recite at least some of the lyrics to Pee-wee's Playhouse? Who, even if you just got a picture of from the chin down to here, with the gray suit, white shirt, red bow tie, and you don't instantly know who that mm -hmm. is. You hear that laugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you hear the song Tequila come on. Uh <laughs> When I, I worked at Johnny Rockets in high school and they'd make us dance to all the songs and stuff on the jukebox and we would all do the tequila dance. 
That helped pay for my college. And what was the what <laughs> word of the day? The secret word of the day? Secret word, word of the day. day. Yeah. Secret word yeah. I mean, I, I just, you know what sucks too? That there are, especially in the last couple of years, I've found this. There, there have been people like Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens that have passed away. And it isn't until they passed away that we went, oh my God, do you know how important this person has been to us culturally for this long? Yeah. And I really think we need to start, and when I say we, I mean all of us as film fans, need to start paying a little bit of attention to maybe people who aren't in the spotlight right now, but we should appreciate some of these people and the contributions they've made to our pop cultural encyclopedia while they're still living. Because I kind of wish that we had done a thing maybe a few months ago of, let's talk about icon Paul Rubens and what he's actually done for this. And, and, And we wait until they pass away. It is a deeper you, topic, I no, think. You didn't ma- Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's a good rule of thumb for life. Don't wait yeah. till people are dead to tell them how much you cared about them mm. and how important they were. I mean, you didn't mention that you met him at uh, the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they just did, because the, they do their month, their 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 summer uh, screenings there yeah. throughout the year, outdoor screenings, and they just did Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, did they? At the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, and it was sold out. So the, uh. the cemetery was packed, so... He definitely right. had the love. Mm-hmm. Let's take two more. Okay, from a man. Elemental has now passed Tenet and become the highest grossing original movie since the pandemic. What a story this film has had financially. Starts off as one of the worst in Pixar history, and now it's about to cross $400 million worldwide. Crazy. Yeah, Elemental's probably going to cross $400 million. And again, here's the thing. It's a not one of Pixar's best, but it's a wonderful movie. Um, the, the, I remember when they showed us the presentation for it at CinemaCon, I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is like an immigrant story. This is a story about the experience of, of, of immigrants. Like you gotta stand that strikes a chord with me. Like my family is not seven generations of Canadians. Like my family is, my grandfather came over on the boat with my teenage dad, right? He left his wife and children at home in Italy so he could come over get established, and then send for my grandmother, my aunts, and my uncle, and bring them over. And like my family, my grandfather did that. My grandfather who passed away about a year or two ago. Um, and I didn't get, anyway. Um, I'm named after him, my grandfather, Giovanni. And I would love when I would get to visit and we'd go have gr- dinner at Nona's house. No, 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 because we're Italian. And telling me the stories about coming over and, you know, getting jobs and establishing our family here. And, you know, to, to fit in, he started going by John instead of Giovanni, but I mean, he still named my dad Pasquale, but he would go by Pat. Um, it, I just love those stories. And so it was with flashes of that in my head, as I was watching these presentations that were doing at CinemaCon about Elemental. And as I was watching the movie, and my wife's family is an immigration story as well. You know, my, my wife's parents came up, Anne's, or Ray's parents as well. They, because uh, they're one and the same, uh, came over and and uh, tell them some stories about it. And I would, uh, you know, Tito Tony would would tell, <laughs> like, at, at one of the family would, would talk about, you know, the process and the thing of the family coming here. As, and all that resonates so much. And it wasn't just a rom-com. It was really a deep, wonderful movie and listen we're not going to call it it's not a hit 
But it's it looked like it was going to struggle to get to $300 million, to be honest. But it just had legs and stuck around and stuck around and stuck around. And is, you know, made at least what Black Adam did. <laughs> so, I mean, there's that. Success. Yeah, success. <laughs> All right. Last question of the day. All right. From the Super Ranger Mud Truck. Hey, John and crew. Just want to say I love the show and I watch every day. Thank you so much. Every time my friends ask how I know so much about movies and movie news, I say I watch the best in the business. John Campia. <laughs> also, what's your thoughts on Keenan's Fat Albert movie? What a weird swift here. Thanks yeah. for bringing on the filthy. <laughs> Just, this is a great show. Also, let's talk about the Fat Albert movie. I, like, so my I, friends are asking about this, so what do you think? And I can't remember a single thing about it. That, that's how in no, no impact it made on I me. I remember that Keenan Thompson... Made a Fat Albert movie, yeah. and that's uh, yeah, all that's I got. about it. So oh, I remember. it's out. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, it yeah. No, that that happened ages ages ago. ago. Yeah. Um, um, I will say this though, talking about how you've been watching stuff like that. Ann and I were out, and this guy comes up to me. It's like John Campy, and this is not the first time I've had a conversation like this. Guy comes up to me, John Campy, I've been watching your show. Blah blah blah. I'm like, great. He goes, oh man, my wife hates you. I'm like, <laughs> oh, and this is not the first time I've had. These conversations. I'm like, really? she's right here. <laughs> I'm like, really? It's like, yeah, I just watch you every night when I'm supposed to be doing other things. And she now just hates the sound of your voice. Like she hears your voice coming off my computer. It's like PTSD. Oh he God. goes, you want to meet her? I'm like, I'd love to meet her. I feel like I should apologize to her. Because where he was standing was by a women's bathroom. Wait, so his wife came out and he says, honey, this is, and she looked at me. She goes, it's you. <laughs> And you got like, an it's you? It's you. Not like not with a snarly, angry voice, but, but still the words used huh. were, it's you. Huh. <laughs> and like, yeah. And I understand I owe an apology. She goes, he watches you all the time. I'm like, so I heard. And I heard that's a problem. She's, oh, no, 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 it's not a problem. I'm like, you're just being nice. <laughs> but still, uh, it's funny how many times I've, I've gotten that comment from people saying, my wife or my girlfriend hates you. It's like amazing. All right, just because they're watching it all the time. But thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right, guys. And with that down, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campion Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here, making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to our YouTube channel members, number one, for being channel members and supporting what we do, but also for sending in those topics and questions and giving us some great fun things to talk about. I want to thank the guys in the room, Ray Ora, yep, yep. Jonathan Voico. See you later. The delightful Chris Carr. Bye. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, I was going to say crikey, but I'll say bye-bye. <laughs>